The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jean Jeffcoat, and welcome to Episode 36 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation with Delaware Senator Chris Coons. President Biden and NATO leaders gathering as Russia continues its brutal attack on Ukraine as talks intensify that Putin could use nuclear weapons. Delaware Senator Chris Coons joining us this morning. Senator Coons, welcome back to the National Desk. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Jan. Great to be on with you again. What are you hearing first about these latest reports that Putin is thinking about nuclear weapons now? Jan, this is very concerning, and I am glad that President Biden is in Europe meeting with our critical NATO allies to be prepared for whatever Putin might do next. Uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is bogging down, both figuratively and literally. Their tanks are getting stuck in the mud, their conscripts are abandoning their vehicles, and the brave Ukrainian people are fighting far more effectively uh, than I think the Russians had ever estimated. Yeah. Uh, that's why there's wide concern that Russia might escalate, that Putin, rather than negotiating some end to this war, might use either chemical or even nuclear weapons uh, to try and shock the Ukrainians into surrendering. Yeah, speaking of which, I know you're friends with the president, and I know before he left to go to Brussels, he said there was that real threat uh, of Russia deploying chemical weapons. What is the world up against if, if this happens, and how will the U.S. respond? Well, the most important thing about our response is that we do it jointly uh, with the rest of NATO. That's why President Biden's consulting with them. Uh, Vladimir Putin knows that he can't possibly beat uh, the assembled armies of the 30 nations of NATO. President Biden has already deployed 12,000 American troops to the eastern flank of NATO and provided $2 billion in additional military aid to Ukraine. Uh, we, we here in the Senate uh, just approved $13 billion more in military and humanitarian aid, and a lot of that is going to shore up our eastern flank allies, countries like Poland uh, and Romania that are facing a lot of pressure. If Vladimir Putin were to use tactical nuclear weapons, uh, it would cause a massive loss of life. Uh, the radioactivity uh, would then go into both NATO countries and Russia. Uh, and I think it would be profoundly destabilizing. And we need to communicate clearly to him and to his military um, that that would have severe consequences. What kind of consequences? Well, I think that's for the military professionals, the intelligence advisors to the president, to conclude, uh, but I think we need to make it clear to Putin that he would lose the war in Ukraine. He's already on his way towards losing, but if he thinks that by escalating, he could somehow uh, win the conflict in Syria, he needs to be told that's wrong. Um, we've watched what he's done in Syria, in Syria uh, where Assad's forces were also beleaguered and bogged down. They escalated by being more and more brutal against civilians and using chemical weapons. There has to be consequences for actions like that. And I look forward to hearing from the president and his seniors advi senior advisors when they come to brief um, the Senate upon his return from Europe next week. If that were to happen as a senator, would you support sending troops into Ukraine? If our military and intelligence advisors said that that would succeed in stopping Putin and we had a reason to believe that that escalation, that direct conflict with Russian troops would succeed, yes. Senator Coons, I have spoken to two Ukrainian members of parliament who have been begging for help from the U.S. and other allies. Just last week, I talked to Ukrainian member Kira Rudik. I want you to listen to what she had to say about what she needs. 
they will be continuing bombarding is there is nothing that we can do about this. There is like literally nothing that I or my resistance team or any Kiev citizens can do about. And this is why we are pleading for a no-fly zone or any variant of no-fly zone, because it's out of our control. There is nothing you can do when there is a missile or bomb coming into your home. In a recent opinion piece, Congressman Michael McCall, ranking member on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, admitted a no-fly zone would put the U.S., as we know, in direct conflict with Russia's military. We don't want World War III, as we know, and this is something that the White House has also said. But he also suggested that with the right weapon system, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky could create his own no-fly zone. Here's what he said. He said all he needs is Biden to help facilitate the transfer of longer-range air defense systems like the S-300, as well as the MiG-29 fighter jets from NATO allies to Ukraine. As President Biden heads back to Europe, he has the opportunity to help to repair America's standing as a world leader by helping President Zelensky get the weapons and aid he so desperately needs. What do you think, Senator? Um, look, I know Congressman McCall. Uh, I respect him and I broadly agree uh, with that opening part of that statement. Um, that's why, as the Wall Street Journal has reported and as we have been briefed, there is an urgent effort underway by the Pentagon and the Biden administration to deliver advanced air defense systems to Ukraine. We've already given them hundreds of Stinger missiles that they've used to great effect to shoot down Russian helicopters and some of their uh, low-flying fixed-wing aircraft. But the Stingers don't have enough reach to genuinely protect Ukrainian cities. So we have found in our uh, inventory of old Soviet weapons <clears throat> systems that predate the S-300, um, the SA, I think, 3 and 8, but these are surface-to-air, mobile surface-to-air uh, missile systems that are being sent into Ukraine. Uh, and I know there's active conversation about providing S-300s as well. Um, the Ukrainians have fought exceptionally well. They have about 50 MiGs that are currently flying uh, about 10 sorties a day. And I know that at the NATO summit, at the NATO and EU meetings this week, um, there's vigorous conversation about what additional air defense and air systems uh, we can provide to Ukraine that'll help strengthen their defense. The Russians are using standoff air-launched cruise missiles for some of their longest and hardest strikes into Ukraine. They are firing them from Russian territory. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, it would be very difficult to shoot those down or, or take their launch platforms out without being in direct conflict uh, with Russian units in Russian territory. Senator, before I let you go, I'm wondering if you could just take take a minute um, and, and reflect on the life and legacy of former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, who, who, we, who we learned passed away from cancer. What legacy does she leave behind? Well, Madeleine was uh, a great friend and mentor to me. Um, she had a wonderful, a wicked sense of humor. Um, she was an engaging and thoughtful uh, publisher, speaker, commentator. Um, she broke several glass ceilings. Um, she was uh, the UN ambassador for the United States. She was the Secretary of State uh, under President Clinton, the first female Secretary of State. Um, she also worked here in the Senate for Senator Ed Muskie. As someone who was uh, born and spent her first few years uh, under communism in Czechoslovakia, a member of a family that fled uh, after suffering the brutality of the Nazis in the Second World War and then uh, the brutality of the Soviets, um, she had a clear-eyed view of the importance of the United States as a beacon of freedom in the world, and she stood up for democracy. I first got to know her in her role running the National Democratic Institute, which helps 
um, ensure that there are free and fair elections around the world, uh, and through another program, the Truman Scholars Foundation. Um, she did so much for so many years and will be deeply, deeply missed. Yeah, she will. All right. Senator Coons, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. That's episode 36 of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.